Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of DementiCast. I am your host, the Nomad Gamer, and I'm here to finally talk Summer Games Fest, E3, a couple movie news. Uh, we're going to talk about Bo Burnham's new special because I am in love with it. I'm just absolutely, it's all I've been listening to the last few weeks. And uh, even Ratchet & Clank. We, I beat Ratchet & Clank since I've been gone, and uh, I need to talk about this game. But... Before we get into it, I want to remind everybody to rate this show on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Uh, I don't know how many other places. Maybe Google Podcasts also have a review function. Uh, but at least Stitcher and Apple Podcasts, make, make sure to go there and rate the show five stars. That way we can move up the algorithm, which brings in new listeners and helps me grow this out. Uh, you can always follow the podcast. This one and my secondary podcast with a friend of mine it's a rewatch cast uh you can follow both the mendicast and rewatch cast on twitter rewatch cast is at it's our watch cast so there's no e there and then you can follow me on twitter at the nomad gamer same same thing for all my socials tiktok instagram etc so with all that out of the way um i need to also get out of the way that Patreon will no longer have a subscription tier for early and bonus episodes. Uh, I had some issues with the provider or like the distributor or whatever from Patreon about that. And so I have decided to take that tier away. But instead, if you go to the actual Red Circle webpage, you will see a little option where you can go in and subscribe for... I should have brought this up. I believe it's like $10 a week. Um, I, I should have brought this up before I started the show. I believe it's like $10 a week, 15 every month. Let me see, unlock exclusive. So it's $5 a week, 15 per month, and then $50 per year and you'll get exclusive content. Uh, I have two other reviews that I'm gonna actually be recording straight after this, uh, both Resident Evil 8 Village, and I finally finished the story for Outriders. I'm pretty much completely done with that game, and so both of those I'm going to put in a bonus episode, and that will be locked behind that exclusive content wall. And if you also subscribe, you will get access to early episodes, uh, this episode specifically will go out for everybody, but after this episode and going forward, every episode will go up early for anybody who subscribes to the Red Circle profile. Uh, this will be the same for our watchcast or rewatchcast. Um, if you want to just, you, you don't have to financially support um, sharing and rating the show is generous enough from you. But for those of you who would like to financially support, the option is there, and you'll get a little something extra. So, with all that self-promo out of the way, let's get into these opening conversations because there's a there's a couple there's a thing I want to talk about. Um, this is kind of old news at this point. Uh, I still had it on my notes though. Um, yo, internet, let's talk for a minute. Can we stop simping for every virtual like? female that we come across like it's all fun and games i get it but uh y'all y'all are pretty weird and creepy i think so a company called light farm had tweeted out 
this was like two weeks ago or three weeks ago at this point, they tweeted out randomly these uh, stills of a quote-unquote virtual assistant, and she had she was holding a Galaxy Note 20 or Galaxy Note 21 Ultra. She was holding that. She had a Samsung shirt, and they called her Sam. And this had Twitter and just the entire internet going crazy for like the for the first like week. Every it was nothing but Sam. People were making uh, NSFW art of Sam. Uh, cosplayers were very quick to jump on this train of doing their hair up just like her, getting like colored contacts in, wearing the classic little black collared t-shirt with jeans uh yeah and just overall twitter was simping for her and a lot of news articles picked this up and this is why i want to talk about this um people always 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 do your research and read articles and look up information don't take the first source as 100 percent fact because i saw a lot of articles like i, I believe ign wrote one or it was GameSpotter. there was a couple big publications that were also taking it when it first happened as truth but the story was that light farm was hired by samsung or a like company associated with samsung like under their umbrella to create a new virtual assistant that would then replace their current one which is bigsby which you know who who's using bigsby like raise of hands who's using bigsby it's trash. But anyways, that was the story. They were tasked to replace Bigsby with Sam. None of that was true. Uh, a lot of it, the rumor came from somebody looking into Light Farm, and they were, they're partnered with another company that is actually under an umbrella, but they weren't tasked. There's no concrete information that they were actually hired by Samsung to do this. So it was just somebody looking at that and going, oh, Samsung hired them and they're going to replace Bigsby and blah, blah, blah. Uh, turns out, though, that even though we haven't heard anything from Samsung specifically about this situation, it seems likely that they are working with them in some way, but not to replace Bigsby. I guess in other countries, Samsung's website has a little virtual assistant you can talk to, to like, before you go into like one of their chat room services to talk to a agent, their virtual assistant for that is actually named Sam, but it's there's nothing there. There's not like a virtual person or anything. And so a lot of people think, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't to replace Bigsby, but it was to have just an actual person. So you weren't looking at this just weird screen that said Sam and I think it looks like a circle or something. It's like multi-colored. So, as of right now, that's really all we know. Um, nothing concrete came from Samsung, but, oh man, the amount of TikToks I saw, the amount of people I saw on Twitter just going nuts for this virtual assistant was absolutely insane. And y'all, y'all are weird. Y'all need help. <laughs> I just... Alright, um, anyways, I'm done talking about that. There's not much else to say on that situation other than get help. <laughs> get help. Uh, moving on to some movies and TV news, though. Uh, this is a pretty big one for if you're into, like, the background scene of movies and, like, what happens between companies. 
Amazon bought MGM. And if you don't know who MGM is, they are the people behind, they own the license for James Bond. So they're behind all the James Bond films. So it's pretty big. They're also behind a couple others. But this is a pretty big deal. Because they're not, it's not like a small buy. This was a pretty big buy for them. Um, and so if you have Amazon Prime Video, I would expect maybe at some point to see a lot of MGN's movies. They, they also have the first Rocky Balboa, probably, probably the rest as well, because they also have Creed. Um, they have that Ben-Hur, the original Ben-Hur, uh, A Star is Born, Snake Eyes is on here. The Snake Eyes movie that comes out next month is on here. 2001 A Space Odyssey. They're they're a big company. They're the ones where when you are watching a movie and you see the lion roaring, that's MGM. So they're not a small company. This is pretty big news of that Amazon bought them out and now owns them. Uh, I'm Other than the James Bond stuff, I'm just interested to see what... Amazon does with them going forward uh, that I think that is just going to be the biggest thing to look out for and what this means for any like future movies because they have the Rocky movies and obviously the Creed movies and so what that means for that those franchises uh, they apparently they have Tomb Raider or they were in association with the Tomb Raider film so yeah, it's interesting news. Uh, I put it on here. Um, I didn't grab the link for the article I found though. My bad. Uh, let's see how much they bought them for. How much did Amazon pay for MGM? $8.5 billion is what, that's billion with a B. 8.5 is what Amazon bought MGM Studios for, to put that in perspective, how much did Disney pay for Lucasfilm? Lucas, when Disney acquired Lucasfilm, it was four billion. Um, when they bought Marvel, they spent four billion again. The Fox one, I think, was the like super big one, yeah. Oh wow, okay, no, Fox was even more, which makes kind of kind of more sense, but uh, that was 71.3 billion, but still, it's $8 billion. That's a, that's a pretty large lump sum of money for Amazon to spend on them, and it's going to be interesting to see if it really pays off for Amazon. They're, they, I mean, I, don't, I feel like a lot of people don't go to Prime Video all that often because Amazon listen if anybody from Amazon ever hears this podcast which I highly doubt uh, please for the love of God fix your interface Prime Video has one of the worst user interfaces I have ever seen like I rag on Xbox's interface all the time I rag on the PlayStation's new one for the PS5 because that shit's trash too but Prime Video just is utter garbage when it comes to their interface which really sucks because they actually have a lot of very solid uh, originals. Like a lot of people talk about The Boys and Invincible, which are great, 
but there's shows like uh, The Hunters, which has, I think his name's Logan Lerman, who played Percy Jackson. Yeah, Logan Lerman, he's in The Hunters. That's another really good show. It's about Nazis who are secretly living in the U.S. and a group, I think it's just a bunch of, it's a group of like Jewish people that hunt them down, I believe. I haven't actually finished it, but from the first few episodes I watched, I was super engaged. I just haven't gone back to finish it because I have so much to watch. But uh, yeah, so it sucks, Amazon. You have a lot of great content, but your interface sucks. And so I think it just causes a lot of people not to want to use your service. Um, so before you start you know, messing around with MGM, let's fix that, and then you can integrate all that. Okay, cool. Uh, talking to Amazon like anyone's going to ever fucking hear this. Moving on, though, to some TV stuff. Uh, I'm sure everybody knows, but the CW was going... It, well, they're still making it, but they're making a live-action Powerpuff Girls TV show. Before I get into the actual bulk of the news, I just want to say this is a horrible idea. I don't think this is going to work. Um, the CW, to me, uh, I'm a big fan. Like, if you listen to Rewatch Cast, we're rewatching Arrow. And I, although I love Arrow, I love the first, like, two seasons of The Flash. Some of the laser, later seasons I'm okay with. The current season, I absolutely hate. At least the first few, like, the, the first few episodes when they're doing like the weird if you watch the flash they did like they brought in the different forces like it's strength sage there's the strength sage speed and something else force but they had that whole arc and it was just it was bad it was bad okay it was bad but um the cw is not known for always having the greatest hits and so i think back in the day when they were still wbtv or something like they weren't officially the cw they were something else during like the smallville days maybe they were the cw i don't know but i feel like they're mostly known for shows like smallville and arrow and the flash like those are their big selling shows i mean people say riverdale's really good i'm good I'm, I'm just good. I'm not really a big fan of it. It's not for me. So when they announced that they were going to bring back Powerpuff Girls in a live action kind of remake sequel. So it, from the way I understand it, is the original cartoon TV series that was on Cartoon Network is canon to this show. So everything in that show that happened is canon to this show. From the way I understand it. But um, they were tasked to rewrite their pilot. And the pilot script had leaked online. I don't know if you can still find it. I have not been able to find it. I really wanted to, to read it to see how bad it truly was for the CW to order a rewrite. Because they. Everybody jokes that Netflix will greenlight anything, but I feel like Netflix does greenlight a lot of things. But I feel like the CW literally does not pass on anything they will green light any idea you could come up with them and be like our main character does a bunch of coke and crack like 
that's our main character in the book. All right, so series ordered. So it was very interesting to hear that they asked them to rewrite it. And some of the highlights that I heard, because a lot of people who did get to read that leaked script were sharing it on like TikTok and Twitter. And I don't know if anybody shared it on Facebook because, I mean, let's be real, who still uses Facebook? I, I have one, but I barely go on it. And it's just because I have family across the country that that's one of the main ways to for me to actually talk to them. So people have talked about it and some of the highlights that, well, I say highlights, but highlights in a negative way uh, are, I think they turned, it was bubbles. They turned into a lesbian. Powerpuff Girls live action. Powerpuff Girls, blah, blah, blah. Like one of them, I can't remember specifically which ones they turned into these, but like one of them was now a lesbian and she cheated on her girlfriend. Uh, they, like, the whole idea was they were going to regret and resent Dr. What's his name? Dr. Plutonium. Is that it? Yeah. Um, they were going to resent him because they wasted that their childhood was wasted fighting crime and they were all super edgy and it it felt like to me from what I know of Riverdale it felt like they took Riverdale but cranked it up to a like they took Riverdale and were like hey everybody really like Euphoria from HBO let's combine the two and it just didn't work like Euphoria works because that is its sh that that is the show, like that is what Euphoria is supposed to be. Riverdale works because that is what Riverdale is. The Powerpuff Girls is not edgy. It it they're girls who fight crime because they genuinely want to help people, and it just seemed very weird for them to write this pilot and make it so edgy to where. You have one of them that was a lesbian cheating on somebody. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that it's bad that she was a lesbian. I'm saying it was weird that they made her cheat on her girlfriend. And so, they ordered a, a rewrite of the script. But apparently, there's not a whole... Like, there's some things that are going to stay. Um, that was said by one of the actresses. Uh, and there's just a couple things that they have to change. Which... Like, when I heard that they were going to rewrite it, I was like, cool, don't make it edgy. Just don't. Like, scrap your idea of this weird, edgy Powerpuff Girls show if you're going to have to rewrite it. But apparently they're only fixing a couple things, which scares me because there's still a lot in there that I feel like is going to come off as very cringy and edgy and feel not like the Powerpuff Girls. So, it's... I believe it's still on track though to come out later this year maybe because they have to rewrite it which means that when they rewrite it they'll also have to reshoot the pilot and then they'll have to give that to the CW and if that still if that then passes uh, they will have to then start shooting the show which means it probably might not come out until December but there's a possibility it'll get pushed into 2022 not like any, I don't know if anybody cares, honestly. This show sounds bad. But I 
I will give it a shot. Um, I love the Powerpuff Girls, and so I will give the show a shot and see. But I have no faith in this show. Like, it it sucks to say. Like, I don't want to... I hate sitting here and shitting on somebody's creative vision because at the end of the day, this is all an art form. But when you're taking an existing IP and you're changing it to this extent, that just feels wrong. Like, you're taking something that is supposed to be one thing and you're completely changing it. You're not even doing it in a good way. Like, you're doing it in this way that just feels wrong. Like, it doesn't feel right. So, because there's ways to take a character. Like, Arrow is a good example on the same network. It, there's ways to take an existing character and change them to fit something else. To tell a different story. And this, from what I know of what the pilot script was, um, this just does not sound like a good, good idea for the CW to do. Uh, but moving on. Our last bit of movie TV talk is the Bo Burnham Netflix special that dropped two weeks ago now. It's called Inside. It is his first stand, like his first uh, special since Make Happy, which was, I believe, in 2018. Oh, no, 2016. I was wrong. Yeah, because he hasn't performed in five years. I don't know why I was thinking 2018, but that was the his Netflix special, Make Happy, and that was in 2016. It came out on June 3rd, 2016. He dropped, when did he drop Inside? Oh, he dropped it on May 30th of this year. Okay. So almost, almost exactly five years since Make Happy. Uh, this was shot... It was shot, directed, um, edited, written. Everything was solely done by Bo Burnham over the course of last year. Uh, And if you haven't watched it, I mean, I don't know if I should really give a spoiler warning for something like a comedy special. But just in case you want to go into this completely, like, I don't know anything, I haven't heard anything, didn't listen to any of the songs yet on Spotify. Uh, I guess, you know, save this podcast, go watch it, come back, hear me talk about it, and give my thoughts on it. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to just put it out there. I am a huge fan of Bo Burnham. I have been since his very early days on YouTube. Uh, the first thing I ever heard from him was Bo, I think it was Bofa Show and I'm Bo Yo which those are like two of his those are like I believe both of those went super viral back in the day and so I've been a fan of him for years I think he's extremely talented he's hilarious and his comedy his comedy is very real and socially aware and I think that's what makes his comedy so special and why I think I don't think (laughs) <laughs> it's funny because there's been a lot of talk about like uh, you can't do comedy nowadays because everybody's quote unquote too sensitive which yes people are very sensitive um, I don't think that's an excuse for you not to, to say you can't be funny or you can't do comedy 
I just think maybe if you feel that way and people are attacking you for your comedy, you might want to look at your comedy and see, well, is this actually funny or is it just racist? Like, am I, am I actually funny or am I just saying very ill will things that I think are funny, but to everybody else, they're like, dude, that's just fucked up. <laughs> um, so Bo Burnham sat in his, I, I don't know, like, if it's like a guest house thing that he has in, at his home or what, but he sat in this small little room, um, and you can see, you can, you get a visual of all of it throughout the special, and it's not very big, uh, he has all this equipment everywhere, and he has, like, very rough cuts, which some people might see as, like, a weird choice or, like, bad editing, but... To me, when you watch the full special and you get done with it, you realize like those rough edits, those rough cuts to the next scene, which he even mentions early into the special. But when you finish it, you look back on those and you're like, no, that was very intentional. It shows because you can watch as he just slowly, it just starts to get to him. And one of my favorite parts in it is towards the end when he's singing All Eyes on Me. And he talks about how he left and he stopped performing live five years ago because he was having severe panic attacks on stage. And he just focused on getting better and fixing his mental health. And he was finally ready to get back out there and perform live in January of 2020. And when he finally made that decision, COVID happened and the pandemic happened and shutdowns and all that happened and we were all stuck indoors. And you can see that really starting to mess with him. And he mentions that he was, his plan was to do this in like six months or something or even shorter. Like it wasn't supposed to take all year, but it does. And there's a lot of moments that really hit hard especially if you were one of those people who lost your job and you couldn't go anywhere so you were just stuck at home figuring out what you were going to do how are you going to pay your bills it hits home for a lot of people and a lot of people talked about how like they like it but it was kind of depressing because they don't want to think about last year but I think that is one of its greatest things. I think that's one of the best things it did was it got us to think about that. And the reason I keep re-listening to the songs on Spotify or I just can't stop thinking about it is it's almost motivating. Watching that special kind of motivated me to get back into gear. And I want to start getting more... Uh, I want to start getting more consistent with the podcast. I want to start focusing on my writing. Like, it, it, it can be very motivating to listen to those songs or just watch the special. And uh, I made I tweeted out like somebody needs to check on him, but I genuinely do think he's good. Um, I think yeah, definitely staying in that one room making this special over that year. I think that did take a toll on him, but I do think. 
and I can't speak for him, and if I ever got the chance, I would love to talk to Bo Burnham um, and interview him, but I genuinely think that, you know what, he probably is good. That was probably kind of a therapy session for him at when he finally got done and he left that room and he was done editing everything. I, I do wonder if that was actually kind of good for him and it was a therapy session for him. Uh, one of the most heartbreaking moments in it, or just sad moments in it, is his song 30. Because he turned 30 last year, and so he has this very slow moment where it's just him sitting there. He has one light on him with a clock, and it says 11.59. And he's talking about how he will be 30 in less than a minute. And he just, after he's done talking, he just sits there. And once the clock goes to midnight, it cuts, and we're back to the regular special. And that, that also kind of hit home for me, because I turned, I mean, I, I only turned 23 last year, but I'd, I feel like a lot of people last year, when it hit their birthday, also felt this kind of weird sensation, especially if you were turning 30 as well, or you were turning 40, or 50, or whatever it was. Maybe you were turning 21 and you didn't get to have the 21st birthday you always thought you could. Um, so I feel like a lot of people had the same emotion watching Bo Burnham talk about turning 30 in his special as when their birthday hit last year and they couldn't do anything. They couldn't see family or hang out with friends for their birthday. And so it, it was just things like that that really hammer home that although this is a comedy special it's almost like a documentary in a way it's kind of like a documentary of 2020 and I think that's really where I wanted to talk about this is for that simple fact that he told jokes he made it funny he made it entertaining but he also gave a lot of interesting perspectives on what 2020 was like and for that, I say, if you have, I mean, I believe, uh, come on, everybody's got to have Netflix. Even if you don't pay for it, you probably know somebody who you have their login. Let's be real. Or you can get those alleged links. Uh, but I highly recommend you sit down, you watch inside. Um, and then I highly recommend, well, after watching it, just going through the album on like Spotify or Apple Music or whatever you use and just listening to the songs after and just really sit there and pay attention to the words especially in songs like um, <coughs> what was that one there's one I really like oh man this is gonna bug me <coughs> how the world works uh, I think a lot of people will probably listen to how the world works and think, oh, he's trying to preach about you. This is, he's a, he's a, he's being a liberal and blah, blah, blah. But when you listen to what he says and is talking about and how the world works, a lot of it's very true. A lot of it is kind of eye-opening. It's sad um, to think about because it talks about some really interesting topics that I think a lot of people just ignore because that's just the way it works now and you know 
why change it? So there's a lot of really good songs on here. Um, previously mentioned How the World Works. Uh, comedy is a very good one. That's Comedy is one of the better ones because it's him being self-aware that, yeah, I made a lot of bad jokes. It's essentially him talking to quote-unquote cancel culture and being like, yeah, I made a lot of stupid jokes. I made a lot of really, maybe not like anything illegal, but they weren't tasteful. And I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to be a better comedian. Where I can still do comedy, but I'm not doing comedy to the point where it's more offensive than it is comedic. And he's just more socially aware. And so that's a really good one. Um, or no, uh, he well, he mentions it in that one. And then Problematic is the other one that's really heavy on that. 30. Um, All Time Low is towards the end. And it's just him talking about his mental health and how it's hitting that all-time low. Uh, previously mentioned All Eyes on Me. Um, Welcome to the Internet is very good. And so... Yeah, again, I highly recommend if you haven't watched Inside yet, it's on Netflix. You can listen to all the songs on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you listen to music. Um, you can listen to all the songs there, and I highly, highly recommend you do. Um, I'm so glad that Bo Burnham is kind of back. We'll have to see in what capacity um, if he is truly going to continue to do stand-up like this or maybe who knows maybe he just goes to making comedy albums and making music solely and they're just kind of comedy albums so it'll be interesting I'm very glad he's back I hope if Bo Burnham ever hears this I hope you're doing well uh keep up all the great work and before I go to gaming news I just want to tell everybody also uh, if you are already a fan of Bo Burnham, he did direct, he wrote and directed a film that came out back in 2018 called Eighth Grade, and I highly recommend everybody go watch it because it is probably probably the best coming of age story uh, ever. And this is coming from someone who loves movies like The Breakfast Club that are very much kind of coming of age films. Um, so yeah, that is that on the Bo Burnham special inside. Uh, if you haven't watched it, please do. And, yeah, we're going to get into this gaming news here in a second. I need a drink. Oh. So, a lot of gaming news. Lots and lots of gaming news. We had the we had a state of play right before Summer Games Fest, and then the weekend after Summer Games Fest, and that, like, following, kind of, like, going into the next week, was E3, which was all digital, and um, I'm going to start with the state of play, which it wasn't a full state of play, it was one of their more focused state of plays, so it was just about one game, and specifically Horizon 2 Forbidden West, which is the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn that came back came out back in 2017, it's from Guerrilla Games, better known for the Killzone franchise. Uh, all the gameplay that they showed was running solely on the PS5, uh, which kind of, <laughs> for those of you 
on the PlayStation 4 or PS4 Pro still, and I have been very unlucky to get a PS5. Um, I'm kind of worried for you. I hope that they do show what the PS4 version will look like, so you know, and hopefully we don't have a Cyberpunk 2077 situation. But Horizon 2 looks fantastic. Uh, it looks, I always preach to people that a sequel doesn't need to absolutely blow you out of the water. It doesn't need to be this amazing new innovation, but rather sequels, the bare minimum of what a sequel needs to do is take what was there and enhance it. Like, obviously, yes, you, you want it to bring in new features. You want it to add new gameplay mechanics and everything. But that's all within taking and building upon the foundation you already had. And Horizon 2 absolutely looks like that's what it's doing. That's what it's here for. Um, the melee combat from the first game was... I, I never... I don't think I ever did any kind of melee combat in that game. Unless I absolutely have had to like the enemies got in very close to me i almost never used melee combat because it always felt very clunky and stiff whereas when i was watching the state of play for rising 2 they have a entire moment where they're just showcasing what they did to the melee combat and it's looks so good it's very fast it's fluid um aloy has looks like she has a lot of different movements while attacking uh, there's a lot of different like special power-ups or like moves that you can do where she there's a moment and it looked very cg so i don't think it'll uh if you watch the state of play you know what i'm talking about but there's a moment that kind of like she puts something on the her like staff or whatever her spear and like does this super powerful move where it blasts the enemy backwards um, there's an underwater segment that, where she's swimming underwater and the amount of detail and things underwater and that are just around there's fish swimming all around her it looked incredible it was super colorful and vibrant which is very nice to see because I'll be honest without games like Immortals Phoenix Rising or even the new Ratchet and Clank a lot of games, if you look at them, a lot of games have very dull colors. They're very brown and gray. Um, there's green for like grass, but it's very muted green or like a very dark green. Um, but Horizon 2 looks very, very colorful and there's just a lot going on. And so that was very impressive to see. Uh, I don't know if the like elephant robot that they showed I don't know if that was actually new I I'm pretty sure it was I don't actually remember it in the first game but we didn't get to see really any new um, robots unless that elephant was new which I think it was so for the most part we saw a lot of the same robots we did However, this time you are in San Francisco, so hopefully when we get more gameplay or any more news about it, we will see new enemy types. Uh, the way you, when she was attacking the people on the elephant, because in the like playtest or whatever, 
he, she goes after somebody who was captured and then uh, just watching her like fight the elephant was very impressive on the on her mounts shooting at the elephant she knocked off a giant turret that was on it and then used that to attack the elephant itself to kill it and bring it down um, for the most part like there wasn't a whole lot there this was mostly just to give us our true first look at the game and how it plays and how it runs and I'm very impressed uh, still no release date which sucks because the PlayStation don't got no games they really don't uh, I mean PS5 really has the two games like the two big games are really uh, Returnal and Ratchet and Clank and Although I love Ratchet and Clank, I think it's really uh, up to you on if you think that is a game that you should buy a PS5 for. Because if it's not, then there really is no reason to own a PS5. If you have a PS4, uh, you can play Miles Morales. I mean, if you're a Demon, Demon Souls fan, there's that. But I feel like most people who are who have a PS5. Oh, hold on! I need some of my drink. Oh, but I feel like most people who have a PS5 have already played Demon Souls. Uh, Returnal is that's a game. Um, it's a roguelike game, so it's a very. I feel like not everybody's gonna like Returnal, and then. I don't think everybody likes cartoony platformers like Ratchet and Clank, and so it's very limited on what there is to actually play on there, or that's worth picking up a PlayStation 5 to play. Like, don't get me wrong, I love it, but I'm playing a lot of my back catalog. Like right now, I'm playing Persona 5 and working through that. So um, it sucks that we don't have a release date yet. I saw an article like a week ago where. Apparently, like, a game director or somebody on the team at Guerrilla for Horizon 2, I don't, like, don't quote me on this, but he was saying something about, like, Horizon 2 isn't set in stone for 2021 and could be pushed into 2022, which, that's the case, Sony, you gotta have something else. Like, Kana, Kana comes out in August in just, like, over a month. So, I mean, there's that, but that's also going to be on the Epic Games Store. So, people on PC can play that game. So, And I, I, be, I truly believe, like, nowadays, most people at least have one home console and a PC. And so, I think for a lot of people, if they're going to be able to play that game on their PC, they're going to choose their PC over their console. Majority of the time. Uh, but overall, my impressions of what we got from that state of play of Forbidden West were very positive. The game looks good. It's not anything like mind blowing, but it just it just looks like what I need from a sequel, and that is take what you built, improve upon it, add some new things, and you're if you do that simple task you are there to make a lot of money like you'll be good you'll be fine you'll sell well you'll get I think when it does come out I think Horizon 2 will be a solid 8 out of 10 title like the like its predecessor so um, hopefully I think people keep saying that 
Sony is going to have a conference sometime in the next month since they did not participate in E3. If that is true, I hope to God they just give us a release date for Horizon 2 and if they can show us something for God of War even if it's like this that CG trailer that we saw where Kratos entered and he said boy back in what was that like 2016 2017 um, even if it's that show us something for God of War give us a release date on Horizon 2 um, but that's really all the PlayStation news I have um, PlayStation has been very quiet because they don't have any games to show. Uh, Summer Games Fest happened before E3. We got a couple of game announcements. We saw some gameplay from some big titles. And uh, one of the first ones I wanted to talk about was Far Cry 6. We saw gameplay from it. We learned some of its story. I'm going to be honest, I'm not a big Far Cry person. I was never that... I didn't really I didn't play four at all I didn't finish five because I don't care about rednecks uh, and Far Cry 3 just Far Cry to me always looked like Assassin's bootleg Assassin's Creed like Ubisoft was doing so well and they were on a hot streak with Assassin's Creed that they took that formula and just put it into different locations in the real in quote unquote the real world and that became Far Cry and made it first person so Far Cry to me has never truly interested me that much. However, I will say Far Cry 6 does look very good. Um, I mean, it also has Giancarlo Esposito as the main bad guy. Uh, it's got a little, everybody was losing their mind over it, but it's got a little puppy that's got like a like wheel situation in its back because it doesn't have its two back legs. Uh, so people are losing their shit on the internet about the dog and saying now they wanted nothing more than to protect that dog. Uh, I saw somebody on Twitter say that if they if the dog dies in the video game, they're going to like riot or whatever. But overall, like the gameplay looks good. There's just I don't know. It looked like most Far Cry games I've seen and like from what I've played of other titles, it looks like those. So there's not a whole lot. Uh, I, I don't know. I put it on here because it happened and it ga they gave us a release date of October 7th, 2021. But I really just don't have a lot to say about Far Cry 6. I'm sorry, I just don't. Um, it just, The game doesn't interest, like Far Cry just doesn't interest me. It looks good. Uh, depending, I don't think a whole lot is coming out near it. So I'll probably pick it up and try it. But... I don't have any high expectations for the game. Um, we also, we, we finally, finally heard about Dying Light 2, which, um, can we talk about this name for the game? The full title is Dying Light 2 Stay Human, which, why? Why can't we just name it Dying Light 2? What's... What is so wrong with calling it Dying Light 2? I just, the whole stay human angle just, it sounds weird to me. But anyways, we got look at gameplay and it looks great. Uh, I can't wait to play this one. I didn't get to, I picked up Dying Light in 20, like early 2016 because I didn't get my PlayStation 4 until 
late 2015. And when I finally picked it up, a lot of my friends weren't playing it. Because by the time I was able to play, pick it up, a lot of other games came out. And all of my friends were playing that. And so I didn't get a whole lot of time with the first game, but I really liked what I played in the first game. And so I'm very, very stoked to be able to jump into this game the day it comes out and be there day one and just get absorbed into this game because a lot of my friends speak very highly of it and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it Dying Light is one of the best zombie games I've ever played. I loved it. From what I did play of it, I loved it. And so Dying Light 2 is finally coming out December 7th, 2021, which sucks because it's end of the year, but um, I feel like we've all waited long enough to play the game that what's a, what's a few more months? Just as long as it, I hope it doesn't get delayed. Like, I mean, if it does, fine, work on it, make sure it's polished, but I hope it doesn't get delayed. I really, really don't. Um, let me go to their website and see. Vast open world choices and consequences shape the future of the city with your actions and watch how it changes. Determine the balance of power by making choices in a growing conflict and forge your own experience. So that's going to be really fun. Um, I can't wait to beat the game and or have one of my friends beat the game and he jumps into mine and sees like some of the choices I made versus what they made. Um, day and night cycle, wait for night to venture into the dark, hideouts are infected, which I mean, I'm pretty sure it had a day, day and night cycle in the first one, but I'm sure it's even like, I'm sure they enhanced it more. Creative and brutal combat, take advantage of your Parkour skills to tip the scales of even the most brutal encounter. Clever thinking traps and creative weapons will be your best friends. Um, it's two to four player co-op. Uh, you can get some bonus stuff for pre-ordering. No one, I don't really care. But it'll be on all platforms. So there will be. It'll be on Xbox One, Xbox Series X slash S. It'll be on PS5, PS4, and PC. Um, well, almost all platforms. Obviously, I mean, I don't think anybody thought it was coming to the Switch. But, yeah, it's on just about every platform that you can think of. I'm very excited. I can't wait to jump into this day one with all my friends and actually get to finally experience all of what a Dying Light game is with friends. Because, like I said, I only got to really experience by myself because none of my friends were really playing it. And I gave them all massive amount of shit for it so yeah dying light 2 december 7th 2021 let's hope that it doesn't get delayed pretty god doesn't get delayed uh the next thing i wanted to talk about from summer games fest because there wasn't a whole lot that i really cared about but uh borderlands is getting a spinoff which we heard because it, it leaked early and so and there was a bunch of rumors before that before the leak and so we heard that there was a Borderlands spinoff in the works and we finally got it revealed on like the name and everything and what kind of what it is and it's a Tiny Tina spinoff called Borderlands Wonderland 
Is that what it is? Tiny Tina's Wonderlings, yeah. And it has a very impressive voice cast. Uh, it's got people like Andy Samberg, Will Arnett, Wanda Sykes, and Ashley Birch. So, like, it's got a fantastic voice cast. Um, we didn't get any gameplay. We don't know a whole lot about it. It was mainly just a reveal. And it was it was a cool reveal. Like, it was all right. Um, I didn't really get, like, hyped for it, but I just got I got excited because Tiny Tina's my favorite character from the Borderlands universe. And she has one of the best DLCs for Borderlands 2, which is a entire... Dungeons and Dragons like campaign, but it's Dungeons and Dumbasses in the Borderlands universe. And in that DLC, you and your friends get dropped into the actual like campaign world and you play around and Tiny Tina and like different characters. I think it's Lilith, Brick, and um what's what's his name? The sniper from the first game. Oh, People are gonna come for me. Borderlands One characters. Is it Mordecai? I think it's Mordecai. Mordecai. Is it Mordecai? No. Wait. M's. 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 Oh well. I'm. I'm not gonna sit here and like try to look. But uh, I think it's Mordecai. But like, it's. Lilith, Mordecai, Brick, and Lilith, and then Tiny Tina's the GM, and she just narrates, and there's a bunch of funny banter, banter throughout the entire uh, DLC. It's really fun. I If you have Borderlands 2, like, or, like, the Handsome Jack collection on PS4 or PS5, and you never played that DLC, I highly recommend going and playing it, because it just... It looks like we're getting that DLC, but on a much larger scale for an actual game, like its own standalone game, and that that makes me very excited. I wish we got to see something for it, or got a little bit more of a taste of exactly what the story is, or like what who the characters are. Like, I wish we got a little more of something, but all we got was this fun little like few second trailer and the reveal of um, the title, which is Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. And the best part about this entire thing is good old Butt Stallion is going to be in the game. Uh, so for all you Borderlands fans, and Borderlands 2 fans specifically, Butt Stallion is in the game. So that's always fun. Uh, and moving on, Elden Ring. The From Software title that we knew nothing about finally got revealed. Finally. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I was kind of disappointed. It didn't really do anything for me. It just looks like Dark Souls, which I don't... A lot of people are probably going to say, like, oh, that's not a bad thing, blah, blah, blah. I love Dark Souls. And I don't know what I was really expecting, considering From Software just, that's what they make. They just make Dark Souls games. But I was hoping for a little bit of something else. And who knows, maybe there is and we just haven't seen all of it. But from what we did see during 
Summer Games Fest, and I think they showed a little bit at E3. Uh, just nothing interests me that much about it. Like, I'm going to play the game next year because I think it comes out in January, which, perfect spot. There's never anything to play in January. So it doesn't have a whole lot of comp competition. But from what I what we saw, it just looked like a Dark Souls game. And this is, like, I think George R. R. Martin, the person behind Game of Thrones, is he helped write this game or he wrote the whole game or something like that. He was on the writing staff for this game. And so he has a very heavy hand in it. And for that to be the case, I mean, that probably just has to deal with the story, but I don't know. I just, I'm, a, I was hoping for something a little different and not just Dark Souls. Uh, it'll be interesting when we get more footage of it to see. I, I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Um, like, it being just Dark Souls isn't a deal breaker, but... For it to be a new IP from From Software, you would want something a little different. So, we finally got that. It's January. Sorry, I didn't put the release date on my actual notes like I did for other games. It's January 21st, 2022. Is when Elden Ring will come out. Um, it looks it looks good. Like it didn't look like mind-blowing in terms of graphics but for a game like this I don't care that much as long as it's running in 60 FPS because uh, this is a just a PSA for any studio at this point your game is 60 FPS should be just a standard thing for your video game I like I don't care about 4k resolution ray tracing is cool but if it doesn't have 60 FPS as a standard you're messing up. You you fucked up. <laughs> that should be a standard thing nowadays. Um, last thing for Summer Games Fest. Uh, on the Friday that week. I don't know if this was technically a part of Summer Games Fest. Or it was his own thing. Because the actual like channel for Summer Games Fest. Shared it. And like they were showing the live stream of it. But it was like the Tribeca game something and I watched a little bit of it and I mostly only watched it because Kena Bridge of Spirits was getting shown and like anybody if you've listened to the podcast before or you follow me on Twitter you will know I'm a huge I'm super hyped for Kena it is my most anticipated game this year it just looks like fun cartoony platform gameplay that I love. I'm a huge fan of cartoony platformers. And so um, I heard that they were showing some stuff at this Tribeca Game Festival. And so I was like, okay, I'll tune in. Uh, it was pretty lame. Not gonna lie. It just looked like a bunch of indie games that I don't really care about. Uh, I don't hate on indie games. Like, it's just none of the indies that were shown really interest me but they got to Kena and we got to see some gameplay uh, but a lot of it was also like the Ember Lab the studio behind it was just kind of talking about the creation of Kena and that was a very 
That was very interesting. I highly recommend. I think they posted the VOD on their YouTube channel. So if you go to the Ember Labs YouTube channel, I believe it is on there. Yeah, Kana Tribeca Games. Um, so you can watch the entire six and a half minute video about it. But they talk about some of the behind the scenes, how it was a little, like the kind of challenges making this game because if you don't know, Ember Labs is really just an animation studio. And they did, there was a Majoro's Mask fan film that was made a few years ago. That was them. And so they just kind of talked about some of the challenges making something like an animation film, a short animation film to actually creating a game. And what that meant narratively and how you tell a story. It was very interesting to hear. I, I'm a huge fan of like listening to the behind the scenes of what goes into game development and the challenges. Uh, you would know this. I brought on Gaming Ethos, who is working on his own game, Samurai Zero, which is on Steam. You can wishlist it. Uh, please do support him in everything he does. Uh, but I brought him onto the show and talked to him about his game back in 2019. So I love hearing that kind of stuff. Uh, but we didn't get a whole lot of informa more information about Kena. They just showed some more gameplay, talked a little bit about the game itself. And yeah, it was fun to see uh, some of the interesting things that they talked about was their two brothers at Ember Lab and they flew to I don't remember the country they flew to but they flew to another country and that's where they recorded their music and everything for Kena and the composer there his daughter is actually the voice of Kena herself. So that was very interesting to learn. Very cool. Uh, they talked about how like she had n never done any kind of voice acting, which to me was, I feel like when you're looking for talent to be the voice of something or to act in something, and you hear that no nobody's ever done this before and doesn't have experience, that is a risky, risky move. But from what we've heard of her as Kana in like trailers and gameplay and stuff and voiceovers in trailers, she sounds amazing. And like her voice is just so perfect. And I, I believe that, yeah, she is Kana. So I highly recommend going to Ember Labs YouTube channel, watching it. It's like six minutes and like 25 seconds. So it's not very long, it's very brief, and it's just very insightful to hear them talk about those challenges, switching from telling a story through just a 30 minute to an hour, like a 30 minute short, to how do we tell a story through actual gameplay for the player who's running around in our world. Um, but the game, just every time they show it off, looks incredible. It looks like a Pixar film. It really does. It looks like a Pixar movie. And I'm very excited. It comes out August 24th, 2021. Uh, we don't have long to wait. And I'm very excited. Uh, moving on to actual E3 news, which 
I think it's time to have a conversation, everybody. Uh, does E3 actually mean anything anymore? Because this E3 was absolute garbage. Like, I have six things here on my notes about E3, and they're all brief. Uh, I literally, some of them I just threw them on because I needed something to throw on for E3. Because there was nothing. There was just nothing. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, for starters, um, anybody, if you're a fan of the Stalker franchise, uh, Stalker 2 got announced. And I, I never played the first one, but what I watched of the second one, it looks very interesting. I'm intrigued by that. So that looks good. Um, I'm literally probably just going to fly through these. Uh, Starfield finally got shown. And people, listen, everybody, let's talk for a minute, okay? Here, here, come here. I'm going to move my mic closer. Let's just talk for a minute, okay? Can we stop hyping up these games when all we see is like 30, 40 seconds of just CG nothing? They didn't show us anything for Starfield. But they did, I believe they gave the release date to it. That or they just said next year or something like that. No, yeah, next year. So, one, didn't really see any kind of gameplay or anything like that. It was just a CG short trailer and... Uh, it's not coming out until November 11th, 2022. So, yeah. But it's here. Like, it's coming next year. We got one year to wait. Can't really say there was anything else to talk about from Bethesda and Xbox. I mean, they showed plenty of stuff. I just... Uh, I actually... I would talk about the Halo stuff. I didn't watch any of the gameplay... But from what I heard, which sounds really dope, is the multiplayer for Halo Infinite will be free to play, which is super cool. Uh, shouts out to Xbox for that. Um, but from what I saw online, a lot of people were saying Halo Infinite looks absolutely amazing. It looks so much better. The time that they took really helped them. So that sounds good. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I just. I'm going to be honest, when that weekend when E3 started, I just didn't care. I wasn't watching everything live. I was just kind of going to Twitter, seeing what was getting announced. And then if anything interests me, I would look it up later to watch the trailers and stuff. And not a lot interests me. Uh, so, yeah, that's really it for Bethesda and Xbox that I really wanted to mention and talk about briefly. Uh, we got to see some more Back for Blood which is like a Left 4 Dead spiritual successor kind of situation. It looks really good. I think it comes out in September. I'm very excited for it. Uh, we'll be, I definitely will be picking that up. Um, Among Us was shown. I don't know who cares. I will say, the reason I did put it on here is I wanted to talk about how they were adding new game modes. And I was, I always love to see when studios actually pay attention to what their community is doing. Because all the game modes they announce, like hide and seek and stuff, are all just mods that the community has embraced. 
And so it's really cool to see that the studio recognized that and were like, hey, let's actually make this a thing. Um, the only thing I will say is I do kind of feel like it's a little fucked up to the modder, but I don't know. I'm not a modder. I don't really play Among Us anymore. The game kind of died for me. But if anybody feels the same way I do when it comes to like them taking that stuff from modders, tell me or like tweet at me and like just be like, I mean, it can be, but some like studios, I think there's ways studios can handle that and be fine. But I also don't think a lot of modders care that much. I think it's more of, oh no, thank you for like recognizing and like, yeah, take it, take it, take it away. Take it away. I, I don't know. But that's why I want to mention it, because they're doing a bunch of new game modes for Among Us, and a lot of them were mods that the community made, and the community very heavily embraced. And so that was very cool to see, that they are actually listening. Uh, last two things for E3 are Square Enix. Lovely, lovely Square Enix announced a Guardians of the Galaxy game. Now, that might sound really cool, right? Or maybe not, if you played the Avengers game. But the idea of it, yeah, that sounds cool. Guardians of the Galaxy as a video game? Sweet. Until you hear that, one, it's a single-player game, and two, you can only play as Peter Quill. When I heard that, I was very I was very much looking forward to seeing when Square announced this game because it had leaked or been rumored previously, and so everybody was trying to speculate on what exactly the game was going to be, and so I was very excited to see what it was going to be as well. And then I saw on Twitter people talking about it and saying it was single player and you could only play as Peter Quill, and I immediately felt my excitement and anticipation just dissipate entirely like that just killed the game for me immediately because when you have something like guardians it why would you think it would be a good idea to make a single player game and not allow us to switch characters like this could have been that game that was like, fine, make a single player, but give us the ability to play as each hero. Each of them has their own skill trees and stuff. And like, depending on the situation, you might want to use Drax for this mission or Groot for this mission or Gamora for this mission. Like, why was that not a thing? Why, why, why did you decide, nope, you're only going to play as Peter Quill, but you can give the others commands. Like I don't, I don't understand the thought process behind this. I don't hear who Guardians of the Galaxy game. I'm trying to find who if Square just published or if they also developed. Interview with Venture Beat Narrative Director, blah blah blah. Oh well. 
Oh, wait. Let me just go to their site and see. Wait, is it Crystal Dynamics? Oh, no. It's Idios Montreal. So it's developed by Idios Montreal and published by Square Enix, I, be I believe. Uh, it's going to be on... PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Steam, Epic Games, and Nintendo Switch. Uh, I will say the game looks good. Like, I thought um, I waited until the gameplay and everything was up and I could watch it in 4K. Um, at least my TV said I was watching it in 4K. Uh, but it looks good. The game looks good. Uh, it doesn't look bad. Gameplay-wise is interesting uh you can give commands to each character in like real time it looks interesting i depending on when it actually comes out which i don't think they'd announce the release let me go back to that website oh oh it's coming out in october i thought it was 2022 this is how much i did not care about this game uh it comes out october 26 2021 Depending on what comes out around then, I might pick this up to try it. Uh, when I do, I will eventually play it. I just don't know if this is a day one for me. Uh, and I hope that when I do finally play it, I hope my mind changes. Uh, I like that the character designs are a lot more comic book accurate. Like, Gamora looks more like her comic book counterpart. Drax looks more like his comic book counterpart. It's hard not to make Groot look like his, because he's just a giant walking tree. Um, Rocket looks good. Like, the character models look good. It's just, it was an interesting choice to only allow you to play as Peter. I, I would have loved to play Switch Off playing as Gamora in Rocket. Uh, Gamora, because I may, Gamora would always, she would seem like she, she would be a kind of assassin class, and then Rocket just, he's like a berserker, and so I feel like those two, like, I would definitely be switching between those two the most, because I would want to go in stealthy and be like an assassin, and then sometimes I just want to go in guns blazing, um, but sadly... You can only play as Peter. I, I honestly, I would love for them to be like, "Hey, we're gonna work on the game some more and delay this until 2022, and allow you to play as them." But I don't know. I don't. I don't know how hard that would be for them to do because if it's coming out in, at the end of October, they're pretty far in development. You would think. So I don't know if that's really something they could immediately get done like that in a year or like less than a year. But I don't know. We'll see. Uh, comes out in October, right in right around video game season. So I don't think it'll do well. Like I think it would do fine if it was coming out in like July or August or beginning of 2022 when there's nothing to there's typically nothing to play but this is coming out in the heat of video game season so it'll be interesting to watch uh, 
I didn't think I was going to talk this much about Guardians. Last thing on my E3 section before we get to Nintendo Direct. Uh, the best fuck the best announcement from the entire week. That's including both Tribeca and Summer Games Fest and E3 was Battlefield 2042. I was seeing everybody talk about this game on my timeline. I never I played Battlefield games, but Battlefield wasn't always my go-to shooter. COD always was because it was just the easiest one to just pick up and play and put back down. Like, pick up, get on for like an hour, two hours, and then get off. Like, not really care, just want to shoot some shit. So, COD was always mine, but I played a couple Battlefields. I played three, I played four, and then I played... Which one did I... Oh, Hardline. I played the Hardline game, which wasn't that bad. Um, so, I have some Battlefield experience, not a lot. But this game... <laughs> when I saw when I saw this game and that you were talking about it, I was sold. This is a day one pickup for me. Uh, it looks amazing. Um, I can't wait. It comes out in... October. It's start of October, isn't it? Oh no, towards the end of October. October 22nd. I thought it was October 12th. So it's October 22nd, 2021. And it'll be out on all platforms except for probably, I, I, doubt, I don't think it's on Switch. Uh, and I'm trying to get to the page so I can accurately tell you because the amount of people you can have on each map or each like game changes depending on if you're on last gen or current gen and that's what I'm trying to find because I want to make sure I give the accurate info but it looks really good it it looks like dice is ready to come back and take its spot as, hey, no, we're better than Call of Duty. Because <laughs> I always thought that, even though I wasn't a big like Battlefield head, I always thought Battlefield was the superior uh, first-person shooter in terms of them against Call of Duty. I mean, Titanfall 2 will forever be, like, Titanfall 2 is the best best. FPS of the last 10 years, but in terms of like Battlefield versus Call of Duty, Battlefield every day. Oh god, how many? How many? This podcast sucks, but it gives shit five stars. How many people can you have on a map in? How many players? Battlefield 2042 is going to deliver an unprecedented scale of franchise playing the new consoles and PC will put up to 128 players in a single battle and the map sizes are reportedly multiple times multiple times the size of the average Battlefield map thus far. Uh, does it... Screen rant? Why? I think it's... Uh, so I think it's the 128... 
for um, next gen and PC, and then it's like I think it's only half that. It's like sixty four players on last gen. But uh, yeah, it looks amazing. I can't wait. <laughs> Again, it just looks the Frostbite engine is just Chef's kiss. Uh, 128 players is going to be nuts. They didn't say anything about BR mode, which I'm totally fine with. I'm so done with BRs. <laughs> like, not every game, not every FPS needs a Battle Royale mode. Um, I don't think they're going to have one, and I don't think, and they never mentioned anything for Halo. So, thank God. Stop making a battle royale for everything. Uh, a lot of people were getting very shitty on Battlefield 2042 because it's not going to have a campaign. But honestly, I don't care. I really don't care if an, an FPS has a campaign or not. Uh, I think it's... There are a few exceptions to that. Uh, Titanfall 3, I really need to have a campaign. Obviously, Halo's that uh, FPS that I would I want to have a campaign. So, like, there's exceptions to that rule. Battlefield does not need a campaign. I am more than happy spending sixty to seventy dollars on this game just to play multiplayer modes. Um, so yeah, it comes out October twenty second or twenty first, which mean or no twenty second, which means uh, Guardians is about to get buried. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm sorry, but you're gonna get buried. So, yeah, look out for Battlefield 2042. There's uh there's a bunch of multiplayer game or not multiplayer, but there's a bunch of gameplay up now. Uh, it got revealed during Summer Games Fest and then got shown more during E3 itself, and it looks good. It looks amazing. Uh, the destructibility and everything, awesome. Uh, but to round out our news for the night, because I am recording this on, what what is it, June 21st, 2021, uh, Nintendo had a direct, and I don't know, were they, I, I feel like they weren't technically a part of E3, but they were a part of E3, uh, they did theirs at the very tail end of E3, and uh, I, I just want to start this out by saying, yo, Nintendo, Y'all scummy for not allowing people to stream this. Uh, so if you don't know, Nintendo put out a tweet, but the even shittier part was it wasn't like Nintendo of America or like other Nintendo accounts. The tweet was all in Japanese. I, I think it was, yeah, it was all in Japanese. And so like you, people had to wait to have it uh, translated to know exactly what it said and basically they were telling people they are not allowed to stream the Nintendo Direct. You can watch it from Nintendo directly but if you're like live streamer thing you can't show it on stream. So a lot of streamers had to just sit there couldn't show it and they had to tell their viewers like oh you can watch it on the side and then have the stream up we can react in real time blah blah blah. And the worst part about this is, like, yo, Nintendo, you didn't show anything. Like, they they didn't show anything worthy 
of like it'd be one thing if they had game after game after game that was like holy shit I can't believe this is coming to the switch this is amazing this game looks incredible but they they baited their Metroid Prime fans with Metroid Dread which is just a Metroid side scroller like the they showed another Smash character like cool I'm a Tekken fan but like I don't care about Smash Bros. Where where's a new IP? Where's Bayonetta three? Like they they topped off, they ended the entire thing with a first look at Breath of the Wild two, which cool. I'm happy for all you Zelda fans and Breath of the Wild fans. But Bayonetta three got announced at the Game Awards in twenty seventeen. It's been four years with no news on Bayonetta 3, and no matter how many times somebody at Nintendo or Platinum Games says that the game is still in development, we haven't heard about it. Yet. We haven't heard about this game, and that that terrifies me that this game is stuck in development hell. And so, I'm I was very disappointed by Nintendo's direct. Uh, they didn't really show anything worth talking about besides, like, if you're a Breath of the Wild fan, you have to see something for Breath of the Wild 2, but it wasn't a lot. Um, Metroid Dread, I guess? You can play that while you sit and cry yourself to sleep that Metroid Prime 4 is probably never happening. Um, I'm going to mispronounce his name. Kazuya? Kazuya? Kazuya, at, uh, the main dude from Tekken is joining Smash, which, like, again, I don't care that much, but it's Tekken, and I'm a huge Tekken fan, so I'll probably get him and try him out. He looks kind of good in that game. Uh, the memes, because <laughs> in, his, in his videos, he's dropping different Smash characters off the cliff at sacrifices, and uh, he goes to drop Kirby off, and that Kirby scene has been memed to death on the internet so the memes from that have been very great uh, but Nintendo you need a new IP like I think it's time to really talk about Nintendo because they don't have anything like I rag on Xbox I've been ragging on PlayStation about not having games but Nintendo really doesn't have games like the Switch has been dry for over like two years at this point uh, we need we need Metro Prime 4, we need Breath of the Wild 2, and we need Bayonetta 3. And we need new IPs. <laughs> like, get those games done, and get some new IPs, please. Oh, the other thing I was disappointed by from Nintendo was they announced a new Mario Party, but it's a collection of a bunch of the old Mario Party games from older ones, and a new full-priced game rather than being put into the last Mario Party as, like, this big expansion. So that was scummy and stupid, and yeah. Also, apparently, because I don't have the new Mario Party, but I heard that that doesn't have online, but this one will. So, yeah. Nintendo, you need to get your shit together. Where's Metro Pride 4, and where's Bayonetta 3? Uh... Until they announce those two, it is World War Nintendo. Uh, but that is it for all my news. 
And that is it for this episode. I know what I said at the start of this episode, um, that I was going to add the Ratchet and Clank review to it, but this episode's an hour and a half. So I'm what I'm going to do is we're going to wrap up this episode, and I'm actually going to be posting it as a solo bonus episode, and uh, the Resident Evil 8 and Outriders reviews will go up as the paid bonus episode. But don't worry, you will get the Ratchet and Clank review for free. Uh, you don't have to pay for that. Um, but that is the end of episode 16 of Demented Cast. I appreciate you for listening. Remember to follow me on Twitter at the Nomad Gamer. You can follow me on Twitter at Nomad Gamer. You can follow me on TikTok at the Nomad Gamer Instagram. Um, I'm going to try to start posting the podcast on YouTube as well, so you can follow me on YouTube. I don't have the link because I don't have a personalized link yet. Uh, but if you go to my Twitter, it's in my link tree. You can hit subscribe there and just look out for the video version of the show. Uh, you can watch Demented or listen to Demented Cast on anywhere you get your podcasts. Remember to rate us five stars on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts. It really does help. You can financially support me either at patreon.com slash dementedmedia or you can subscribe to the Red Circle feed for $5 a week, $10 a month, or $50 a year and get access to bonus content. Also remember, I have a second podcast called Rewatch Cast. We are currently watching Arrow. We left off on episode 105. If you don't know how... Uh, TV series work 105 means season 1 episode 5 and so each season the way they calculate them they calculate them by hundreds so 205 would be season 2 305 etc 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 so you can watch listen to me both on here and rewatch cast but that is it for episode 16 peace